0: Will you stand with us? Our opening song is from the day you saved my soul, and I challenged our team. We're all thinking about the day where we first encountered Jesus, and he changed our lives. So let's have that thought in mind as we sing from the day you saved my soul.
1: Thank you so much for singing. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many of you can remember the moment you asked Jesus in your heart? Anyone remember? Oh, it's so cool. I love thinking back to those days. I remember I was in third grade, and Titanic had just came out. My mom and dad said, never, ever, ever watch this movie without our permission. And guess what? I did. (laughs) But VBS that year was Noah's Ark. All right, And I remember being fearful of dying and drowning and all that stuff. You know, everything that goes into the mind of a third grade boy at that time. And I remember at VBS that year... My pediatric doctor, he was Noah. And all week long, I'd heard the story of, of Noah and the ark and how Jesus was the door to salvation. And, and when we come on to, in, into, his, uh, in his, into his dwelling that we are saved and, and we are redeemed, I just remember, I remember all that. And that Sunday morning, I gave my life to Jesus in Sunday school. It was awesome. I just believe we have a God that loves us. He continues to still work today, and he is all about the saving business. The question is... Do you believe that? And that's what we're all about today. We're all about coming into this place as the body of Christ to lift up our praise to him, give him all the glory and honor because of what he has done on the cross. But we also want you to know that Jesus today. We want you to know him. So we've been praying for you who might not have received that, that you might come to know him because it's special. It really is. But we love you, and thank you so much for being here at Cavanaugh Church today. We've been praying for you all week long, and we hope that God continues to move in this this space this morning as he already has. I'm going to invite you all to stand right now. We're going to ask his anointing and blessing on our services today. So good to see everyone. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we are so thankful to be here in this place. We love our church, and we love our church family. Um, so thank you for bringing us all back together God Lord as the as, as the word is preached today God Lord prepare our hearts and open them because we want to receive all the instruction that you want us to know God uh, be with our pastor as he brings the message um, and 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 help him to speak clearly and and give him the strength to do so because God you have something really awesome for us today God and we just're ready to take it in but before that happens God continue to receive our praise bless our praise team as they lead us God help us us to worship, and help us to focus, and help us to just have our minds solely set on you today, God, because that's what this place is all about. We love you so much, in your name, amen. You all ready to sing more? Okay, but first, turn around and greet someone around you, and then we'll get right into it.
0: To the cross. That's that's the whole reason that Jesus came. And the last song that we're going to sing is "What a Beautiful Name." What a powerful name. What a wonderful name. The name of Jesus. Um, you know, a lot goes into it when you're expecting a baby and you're going to name your child. You you dig through all the books. You look through the family history, and you know you definitely don't want to name it a certain name. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got that one relative not naming it that. Um, but there's a lot that goes into it and you want just that perfect name that is going to represent who you hope that child will grow up to be. Well, the very name Jesus, Yeshua, in Hebrew, means Redeemer, the one who saves, the one who delivers. And he lived up to that name. That is why he came. And as we sing this morning about the beautiful name, the powerful name of Jesus, Think about Him. Think about what He's done in our lives, what He came here to do. And if you don't know Him as your Savior, if He has not delivered you yet, it's not too late. Today could be your day. Let's sing together.
2: You were the one.
0: room could feel what it feels like to have been delivered by you, Father, that we could trust you as our Savior. We know the scriptures bear witness that one day at the very name of Jesus, just the calling of your name, every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess that you are Lord. Lord, we give you honor. We give you praise in this place today. Lord, I thank you personally coming into my life and changing me and making me something new. Lord, there's something that I couldn't do for myself. You are my redeemer, and I praise you today in this place. We give you all the glory and praise. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
3: praise team give them another big hand let them know you appreciate them thanks for all that they do good to see you glad that you're in the lord's house this morning i'm thankful for you and i pray god's blessings on you this morning and i pray that the holy spirit would just speak this message into our hearts so that we can become the servants of jesus that he wants us to be i'm in a series of sermons on our core values if you walk out these doors And look at that far wall in our lobby, you will see all of the core values that uh, Kavanaugh believes in. That really is a statement of who we are. If you were to cut Kavanaugh Church open, we would bleed these seven core values. And today I'm going to talk about core value number four, which is serving. We're stronger as a church when everybody serves. We're stronger when everyone is out doing ministry like Jesus would have us to do ministry. So today I want to talk to you about serving and how you can be a servant of Jesus and how you can serve other people. The passage I want to share with you is from John's Gospel, chapter 13. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but if you'll hang in there, I'll do my best to read it to you. Okay, you ready? John chapter 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray our Lord Jesus. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never, ever wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but wash my hands and my head my whole body as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Hmm. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his outer garment, and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done unto you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Speak it into our hearts. And Lord, as I attempt to speak on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak into our souls. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, this whole week I've been, been thinking about what a servant is, what a servant does, and what a servant looks like. And that led me to a personal assignment. I sat down at my desk and with a pencil and a piece of paper, I started writing the names of people that I have met or encountered through the years, going all the way back to my childhood, that impressed me with their spirit heart or their spirit. Of a servant, You know what I discovered as I made that list? It really is difficult to say exactly what a servant does, but you know one when you see one. What I discovered is it's hard to get a good definition of what servanthood is, but you sure know what it is when you experience it. And you may not be able to define it, but you sure know a servant when you meet one. And that is my conclusion. Let me draw some observations from that conclusion as we start our message today. Observation number one, being a servant is an attitude, not necessarily any actions that you perform. So many of us think, well, preacher, just tell me what a servant is and I'll go out and do it. Tell me what a servant does so I can go out and do it. But being a servant doesn't start with what you do. Being a servant starts with an attitude of your heart. In fact, if you have a servant's heart, nobody is going to have to tell you what needs to be done. You're going to see it with your heart, and you're going to be compelled to go out and do it. It's all about the heart. Observation number two, anyone can be a servant if they have a servant's heart. What is it that makes the difference between being a servant and not being a servant? Is it visiting a nursing home? Is it baking bread for someone who's been sick? Is it giving money to someone who is in need? No, not necessarily. Because you can visit a nursing home with a servant's heart, or you can visit a nursing home out of a sense of obligation. You can bake bread for somebody who is sick because you really love that person and want to serve that person, or you can do it hoping that they're going to praise you in return. You, You can give money to somebody who is in need out of a sense of, you know what, you really want to minister to them, or you can give money in order to curry favor with somebody. The same action can be the action of a servant, or it can be the action of a proud person. What makes the difference is the motivation behind the human heart. Observation number three, some people will find it easier to be a servant than other people. However, the Bible commands all of us to be servants, whether we find it difficult or whether we find it easy. There are those people within the body of Christ, some of the people in this room, some of you sitting in your chairs who have been gifted by the Holy Spirit With the gift of being a servant, you serve well. It is your spiritual gift. How do I know that? Because Romans 12, 7 says, if your gift is service, then let him serve. But even if you don't have the gift, you're not off scot-free because God has still commanded you to serve. Now, if you've got the gift, it's easier to do it. But we're all called to serve. Why do I know that? Galatians 5:13. You therefore have been set free, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to indulge the flesh, but rather to serve one another in love. So whether you find it easy or whether you find it difficult to be a servant, it's still a commandment from God that you have a servant's heart. Some of us just have to work on it a little harder than others. Observation number four: Jesus Christ is the ultimate model of servanthood. Really, there are two, tattoo, uh, two verses that you need to tattoo on your soul. See, I got a little nervous talking about tattoos right there, and <laughs> got of mess that line up. Did you get that? Not on your arm or on your thigh or on your chest. You need to tattoo these verses on your soul. What are they? Mark 10, 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And then Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What was Jesus? And why did Jesus come? Well, he was a servant and he came to serve, period. Jesus didn't come to earth so that people would serve him. Jesus came to serve other people. And I think you can see this anywhere in the Gospels. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're gonna see illustration and example after example of Jesus ministering to other people, Jesus serving other people. But I believe the capstone, the, the, the greatest illustration, the greatest story of Jesus serving other people is right here in John chapter 13. It happened on a Thursday night, in the upper room when Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples. Now, over in Luke's account of this, Luke gives us a little more insight. He said that as these disciples and Jesus were at the table eating the Last Supper, there was a debate going on amongst them, and evidently it got pretty heated. You know what the disciples were debating at the Last Supper? Who was the greatest one in the room? Which one of us is top dog? I mean, when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom, which one of us is going to sit on the right hand and which one is going to sit on the left hand? Jesus knew what they were debating and talking about, and I think Jesus addresses that in this story. But you know what's on Jesus' mind? It's the cross. Jesus is about to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world. And so Jesus gives his disciples this object lesson. He gets up from the dinner table, takes off his jacket or his outer robe, picks up a towel, wraps it around his waist, pours water into a basin, and beginning at one end of the table, he starts washing his disciples' feet. Yes, he even washed the feet of Judas the one who was about to betray him. Now, there are all kinds of lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. I've come up with four that I want to share with you this morning. I'm calling them four facts about foot washing. And I want to throw the word fun in there because some of you look like you need to have a little fun this morning. So here are four fun facts about foot washing that you may or may not have known before you came in here today. Fun fact number one about foot washing Foot washing was considered an ordinary sign of common courtesy. To us, what Jesus did was bizarre and unusual. But in those days, foot washing was just what you did when somebody came to your house. The roads in Palestine were dry. They were were dirty and gritty. And if you left your house and walked on the road for any amount of time, your feet were going to get dirty because you were wearing sandals or no sandals at all. And if it rained, then those roads became a muddy pit. So even if your feet were clean when you left your house, by the time you got to wherever you were going, your feet would be covered with dust and dirt and grime and grit. And chances are they didn't smell very good either. So it was common in those days, if you came to my house in the evening for for dinner and knocked on my door, I would open the door and greet you with a kiss. I would kiss your cheek. I would provide oil for you to anoint your face with, and then I would call one of my servants who would come, remove your sandals, and wash your feet. That was a sign of common courtesy. But what was not common was for the host of the house to wash the feet of his guest. It it was the mark of a rich man that he would never ever have to wash anybody's feet because he had enough servants in his house to do all the foot washing. And I suppose if he wasn't that wealthy to have servants, then he would have one of his kids do it. And if he didn't have any kids, I guess his wife would do it, but we're not going to go there this morning, all right? Here's the point. Someone of Jesus' caliber, someone who was a master teacher, was above that servant level. So Jesus broke the rules, and that's why these disciples were so shocked. Not that somebody would wash their feet, but that Jesus would be the one who washed their feet. That broke all the customs of the day. Fun fact number two about foot washing foot washing, by definition, is dirty and smelly and humiliating. Have you ever tried to wash somebody's feet at the end of a long, hard day? Have you ever tried to wash somebody's feet when those feet were covered with grime and perspiration and when they smelled really bad? I mean, have you ever put your face right down to an ingrown toenail? <laughs> it's not nearly as much fun as you think it is. Washing somebody's feet is, is pretty humiliating. I, I don't know if you know this, but there are certain churches and denominations that actually practice foot washing. There are certain denominations that, that hold this as a gospel ordinance, right up there with the Lord's Supper and baptism. Some churches believe there, there are three gospel ordinances and they throw foot washing in there with it. Do you know that? There, there are churches that actually do this. Crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> because we're one of them. We're the foot washing denomination. Years ago when old Marty Sloan was pastoring over here at harvest time, he would call me up and sometimes we'd just talk. Our boys played football together and we were pretty good friends. But when I saw on my cell phone that it was Marty calling me, I knew exactly the first thing he was going to say to me. He would say, hey, y'all been over there washing feet lately? (laughs) It's kind of a running joke because Marty was AG originally, Assembly of God, and he grew up washing feet. And he liked to make fun of us for washing feet. Here's the funny thing about those of us who do wash feet as preachers. When we talk about it, the only thing we can talk about is how few people show up for foot washing service. It is notoriously the lowest attended service that we have. People just for some reason or another don't like to wash each other's feet. I grew up doing it, so, you know, it's no big deal to me. I I was doing it when I was just a little bitty kid. Our pastor would say on Sunday, night, uh, Sunday morning tonight, we're going to have the Lord's Supper and wash feet, so come back for that service. And back in those days, if you didn't show back up on Monday morning, the pastor would be calling you, asking you where you were. And so about an hour before church on Sunday night, my mama would always say to me, William, go to the bathroom, wash your feet, clean out from under your toenails, and put on a fresh pair of socks to which I couldn't understand, and I would retort back to her, but mama, why clean my feet now? We're about to go to church and wash them. (laughs) We'd get into this little dialogue, and she would say, just go clean your feet and make sure you pick out some socks that don't have holes in them. I don't know. It's not that big of a deal for me to have a foot washing service and to wash your feet. I'd wash your feet right now, man. I'd let you wash my feet. But you know what? That, I'm programmed like that. If, if you just come up here and take off my shoes and start messing with my feet, I'd, I'd get a little anxious. I, I really don't want you messing with my feet. Anybody? Is it just me or is. Come on, anybody? Y'all remember when my middle daughter Callie went on the, the world mission trip? She was gone for nine months all over the, the world, went to three different countries. And halfway into that, Angie and I were able to meet up with her team in the Philippines. And, and we got to spend a week doing ministry with her team and, and got to see Callie. We hadn't seen her in four months. And so it, it was a really good experience. And the ministry they had us doing was very challenging but very rewarding one afternoon, we had free time, and we could go do anything that we wanted to do, and, and I wanted that time to be special for Callie because she had been working so hard for so long, and so I said, baby, what, whatever you want, your mom and I are going to do for you. If, if we can do it, we're going to do it. What, what do you want? Now, understand, for four months, Callie had been roughing it, literally sleeping in a hammock outside in a sleeping bag. And so here's what she said. I would love a manicure and a pedicure. <laughs> and I said, we, we can make that happen. So we, we got in a cab. We went to this big mall there. And, and, uh, and these little Filipino ladies were out in front of the, the nail place in the mall pulling us in. And, and I just let Callie and Angie go in. And they took them over and they put them in these chairs. And they were calling for me this whole time. In the Philippines, they call old men poe. That's how we came up with my granddad named Poe. They would say, Poe, come, come, come on, Poe, Poe, come, come. And they were kind of dragging me, and I was, no, I'm going to stay out here. Cowley turned around and said, oh, Dad, I want you to do this with me. So I climbed up in that chair. That little Filipino girl pulled off my shoes and my socks and started messing with my feet, and I was very uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, I just don't like people messing with my feet. My feet are dirty. My my feet are stinky. It's nasty when you mess with somebody's feet. Are you with me? By definition, foot washing is dirty, smelly, and humiliating. Fun fact number three about foot washing. Foot washing, though often misunderstood, meets a very real need for continued cleansing. This little dialogue in our passage between Jesus and Peter. Peter said, Lord, don't touch my feet. You're you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus, you can't do that to me. And by the way, when when Peter spoke up, I think he was the voice of all the others. He spoke for the rest of them. As usual, Peter was blurting out the concern of all them. And In Peter's mind and in the mind of the disciples, what Jesus was doing was very demeaning. You didn't do that. That wasn't the work of the master teacher, that was the work of a slave. Don't, Lord, don't touch my feet. It's not your job. This is way beneath you, Jesus. I think what bothered them was not what he was doing, it was the fact that he was doing it. Foot washing was okay as long as The person washing your feet was of a lower social status than you were. But to see the Son of God do it, that bothered them. It it just blew all their preconceived notions. It destroyed their status quo notions. And and as I read that and thought about that, it, it popped a question into mind. If foot washing was common, and it was, and they had come together as friends, and they had... Well, why hadn't they already washed each other's feet? And beyond that, why hadn't they washed Jesus' feet? What was it that the disciples were talking about during the Last Supper? Remember, I talked about that a moment ago. What was their topic of conversation? What were they debating amongst themselves? Who was going to be the greatest among them? Who was top dog in the room? Now, Jesus was about to be crucified, and here these guys are arguing about who is going to sit on his left side and his right side in the kingdom of God. Church, would you listen to me? As long as you're arguing about who's the greatest, you're not going to have any time for foot washing, because foot washing and looking out for number one are mutually exclusive. Not only that, the the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet is meant to be a picture of his work on the cross. The disciples didn't get that. They they didn't understand that. It is meant to picture the, the cleansing that his death on Calvary's cross had for the remission of your sins. The the dirt on the disciples' feet is simply a symbol or a picture of the real dirt that was in their heart called sin. Being dirty on the outside was not the real problem. The real problem was the filth on the inside. And the water that washed that dirt off was symbolic of the blood of Jesus Christ, which the Bible says was shed for the remission of the entire world. Therefore, having your feet washed is like coming to Jesus Christ. Because all you do is sit there and Jesus does all the work. That's what salvation is like. You're dirty on the outside, and he comes and cleans you up on the inside. I heard somebody say that coming to Christ is like taking a shower on the inside. And I would have to say there's some in this room this morning that you need a shower (laughs) on the inside. You're pretty clean on the outside, but what's a mess is the inside, the inside is dirty. What you need is inner cleansing. Reminded me of that old hymn we used to sing, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So if you're dirty this morning on the inside, I know how you can get clean. I know who can clean you up. It's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So you know what? Foot washing is needful fun fact number four about foot washing foot washing is never going to go out of style because you're never going to run out of dirty feet (laughs) I got to thinking wouldn't wouldn't it be something right now in my sermon if I said okay guys unlace your shoes pull them off peel off your socks for you ladies who are wearing open toed shoes just go ahead and pull the whole things off and after you get your feet out of your shoes kind of wiggle your toes a little bit and then turn around and look at your person the person next to you's feet turn around behind you and look at the person behind you's feet get down on your knees and look at their feet now I thought about doing that but I I realized if we did that the service would end right there (laughs) she'd be over you'd get up and leave the, early this week I told Angie you know babe I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach on Jesus washing the disciples feet and I think what I'm going to do is is on the big screen have the ugliest nastiest dirtiest most disgusting feet I can find on the internet <laughs> up on the big screen <clears throat> to which Angie said if you do that I'm walking out so so it's it's not up there You know, even to think about us looking at each other's feet is a little bit frightening because underneath all the exterior, we got ugly feet. And chances are they're dirty. Chances are there's a little bit of odor there. But can I tell you something? Jesus came to a world of dirty feet. And Jesus came to clean dirty feet which means he came to clean you up because your feet are dirty too. Now, I know you're a little confused, but hang with me. Are you you hanging? It brings me to the end of this message from Jesus Christ to you. He got to the end of his foot washing sermon, and he asked the question in verse number 12, do you understand what I have done for you? In order to answer that question, you've actually got to go all the way back up to verse number one which says he now showed them the full extent or the completeness of his love to them he showed them how much he loved them and then you add verse three to that Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come and that he had come to God and was returning to God so In washing their feet, he was giving them this parable. In washing their feet, he was acting out an object lesson. He he wasn't just washing their feet because their feet were nasty and needed washing. He was washing their feet and he was saying to them as he washed their feet, guys, this is who I am. This is why I came to earth. This object lesson of me washing your feet explains the cross i did not come to be served i came to serve other people i came to wash dirty feet i came to save souls so the answer to the question do you understand what i'm doing do you understand what i have just done the answer to that question is no (laughs) they didn't understand So, like any good teacher, he goes ahead and gives them the the truth. He gives them a commandment to follow, and then he gives them a promise. The truth is found in verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you do the right thing because that's what I am. I am your Lord. I am your teacher. The truth is, you call me Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus is Lord. And when you say Jesus is Lord, you are stating the truth. They stated the truth. That's what he is. What is the command? It's in verses 14 and 15. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you that you should do as I have done to you. So the truth is, Jesus is Lord. The command is, do as I have done. Brothers and sisters, that is a shocking thought. (laughs) Because to wash feet is the job of a slave. To wash feet is the job of a servant. It's not the work that you would think the Son of God would do no wonder they were upset no wonder these disciples were baffled and confused after all these same geniuses just 10 minutes earlier were talking about who the top dog in the room was jesus is saying guys if you're going to be my disciples just get down and wash some dirty feet all this kingdom stuff it's going to take care of itself you just get down on your hands and knees And you wash the dirty feet of other people. And God is going to take care of all the kingdom stuff. That's the message. But here's the promise. Look at verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Church, i got some good news and some bad news for you. The bad news is feet stink. I mean, don't they? They just do. They're, they're ugly. They smell bad. And if you're going to wash feet, you're going to do some humiliating things. If you really take this literally, you're, you're going to be involved in some situations that are not very nice or not very popular, and you're not going to be seen by the masses. You're not necessarily going to be applauded by everybody if you just go around washing dirty feet. That's the bad news. Good news is this there's great reward for foot washers. You're blessed if you do this. Those aren't my words, that's what Jesus said. You will be blessed if you do this. So, three reasons why we ought to wash dirty feet number one, because Jesus did it, number two, because dirty feet need washing. And number three, because we're blessed when we do it. And here's my whole sermon in one sentence. Followers of Jesus distinguish themselves through humble acts of service to those who don't expect it and to those who can't pay it back. That's what we do because that's what Jesus did. We have a heart that serves. And so when we see a need, we meet that need we serve other people we we don't care about the applause we don't care about the praise we don't care about the recompense we just do it because that's what jesus has called us to do and so i've only got one question left for you it's a simple question jesus said do as i have done so my question to you is this whose feet are you going to wash this week It's time for us to move away from theory and get into practice. It's time for us to move away from talk and get into action. You see, if your response to this message is just to shake my hand and say, good job, pastor, as a a fine sermon, and you walk out of here and it doesn't change anything about your heart or the things that you do, why in the world were you even here in the first place? Jesus didn't say, blessed are you if you know what I know. He said, Blessed are you if you do what I do. Just, just remember this it all starts in the heart. It, it all starts with a servant's heart. And this is the way I'm going to close this sermon. I'm going to give you some suggestions. Now, I'm, I'm really afraid to do this because you're going to hear these suggestions and think, okay, that's what I got to do to be a servant. No. It starts with your heart. These are just ways you serve. These are ways you minister. These are the ways you wash feet. The second reason I'm going to give you these suggestions is because I know how some of you think, and all you've heard this morning is you've got to go out and wash feet. Whose feet are you going to wash? And so you're going to walk around with this towel wrapped around your waist in a bucket of water, and you're going to go around and try to yank people's shoes off and wash their feet, and they're going to sock you in the nose. No, when I talk about foot washing, here's what I'm talking. Here, here are some practical ways you can serve others. Here are ways you can wash feet. Example. You've got a friend who's been laid up, they've been sick, and and you know, they can't even go out to get medication. Well, you go for them. You run errands for them. You bake a cake for a shut-in. You give twenty dollars to a mother. Who's single and has a bunch of babies in the house and a note of encouragement. One way that that you wash feet is you refuse to gossip about somebody. You send flowers to a friend. You buy food for our food pantry. You clean up the kitchen so your wife can sit down and rest. That went over good. (laughs) You spend Saturday helping a friend to move. You rake leaves for the senior citizen living down the street from you. You change the oil in the car of a widowed woman in the church. You make supper for a new mom. You visit a nursing home. You volunteer in our We Worship and take care of some babies and clean some dirty diapers. You read books to kids in our children's center. You volunteer for our Monday food bank. You go down and help out at Hope Campus. These are just some suggestions. What, what matters is the condition of your heart. If you have a servant's heart, there are always going to be plenty of ways to wash somebody's feet. In fact, if you have a servant's heart, you're going to see hundreds of ways to wash people's feet. I've been here for 25 years, and Jason and I said in the first service, After year number one, one of the guys in the church said something to me. Charlie Wagner. Charlie's been gone for a while. Charlie, let me tell you, Charlie was top notch. Charlie was a prayer warrior. I'm, I'm, I We need some. We need some young men to step up in Charlie Wagner's shoes, and to be men of prayer and men of integrity. That's beside the point. That's another sermon. But anyway, I'll never forget the Sunday Charlie Wagner told me. He said, "Preacher." you got to understand the people in this church will do anything you ask them to do, but you've got to ask them to do it. And you know what? Charlie was right. Y'all would do anything. You just had to be asked to do it. The cool thing that I've seen in the past 25 years is we don't necessarily have to ask as much because you have developed this great servant's heart. And so when you see a need, You just do it. You you don't ask what needs to be done. You see what needs to be done. And can I say as a pastor, I applaud you for that. Because that's what Christian service is all about. And we are stronger when we serve together. And please understand, God did not put you on planet Earth, nor did God put you in this church so that we could serve you. God put you here so that you could serve others. So let's just get to serving. Let's find some, deep, some dirty, stinking, nasty, ugly feet and wash them. Got to back up, though. Before we do that, our own hearts need to be cleaned up. That's really what this old story is about. It's about, it's about inner cleansing. Not only being saved, but, but having your sins forgiven after you're saved. That's why Jesus said, you don't need a bath. You've already had a bath. What you need are your feet cleaned. Some of you in this room have been saved, but you've allowed sin to come back into your life. You need to claim 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You just need to come and take care of business with God and get your heart cleaned up. And then pray, Lord, whose whose feet can I wash this week? Open my mind, my heart, my eyes. Let me see needs and then serve you by serving others. Heavenly Father, help us to do that. Help us to come and pray. At the altar today. There are some who need to be saved. Others who need to be cleaned up. And still others of us who need to come. And pray for opportunities to serve. Help us to realize. that That's what makes Kavanaugh a great church. Just a bunch of. Forgiven sinners. Who see the need. And go about meeting that need. Who have a heart like Jesus. And want to serve others. Just a bunch of forgiven. Saints Who see dirty feet, and wash them. Lord, help us to do business with you at the altar today. Make it easy for my friends to come and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed? Praise team's gonna sing. Altars are open. I invite you to come and pray. Come do business with the Lord. It is the name of Jesus that is wonderful, and at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Help us to do that. Help us to do that today, Lord. Help us to be able to say, Jesus is Lord of my life. And then, dear Lord, I pray that we would put on your heart and that we would be the servant that you have called us to be. Help us to be about your business of washing dirty feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you, thank you for listening to my sermon on dirty feet, all right? I hope that's motivation for you to go home and clean your feet. Really good. When you walk out of the room, make sure you drop your offering in one of those five boxes along the back wall. We appreciate your faithfulness in giving. Next week, we're going to talk about... Uh, the, uh, the following uh, DNA of our church, the core value of generosity. So come back for that next Sunday. This week we're going to have C groups meeting all through the week, talking about serving. So get in your C group and learn more about it. 7 o'clock on Wednesday uh, in the evening we have classes for all ages. Brother Johnny is going to be in here with the adults. He's going to preach but also talk about our Adopt-A-Missionary, which is coming up this Christmas season So make sure that you're in here for that. When you go out in the lobby, you'll see the iPads out there. You can sign up for a couple of things. One of the things you can sign up for is our brand new This Week at Kavanaugh Church. It's it's a weekly newsletter that we're sending out digitally telling you of all the events happening in a given week. So every week it's going to be updated. To sign up, all you have to do is give your email address. You'll be on the list and each week you'll get that this week of Kavanaugh. I'm excited about that. I think it'll help our people stay informed of what all's going on in the great work and ministry of this church. Also, if you walk through the office area, you'll see this beautiful quilt that's been made by our quilting ladies. These ladies come up here every Tuesday and Thursday morning, and it's like a sweatshop in there. I mean, they're, they're, they're making quilts for newborn babies and making quilts for uh, our missionary families. They have made this beautiful quilt, and they're, they're raffling it off. They're selling tickets for $2 a piece so that they can fund their projects. Go by the office area, look at that quilt, and, and buy about 172 tickets. They would appreciate that and you can have a pretty good chance of winning that beautiful, beautiful quilt. This Friday, the men of our church are going to Roaring River on a fishing trip. Uh, see Jason or Johnny or Ray. They'll give you information. Uh, it's going to be a, a great time. They always have a wonderful time. Usually come back with everybody they left here with, <laughs> usually, and, and some fish. So uh, see Jason. He'll tell you all about it. Tuesday, November the 1st, Free Will Baptists have set aside as a day of repentance, a day of prayer, and a day of fasting. Uh, We voted on this at our national convention back in July to set this day aside to pray for our nation. And so it is a day of prayer and fasting for repentance in America and in the world. And I'm encouraging you to participate in that. Uh, Begin by repenting of your own sins, Praying and fasting for repentance in this world. Because I can tell you, our world needs to repent. Amen. I'm praying for each one of you. Pray for Ron Brown. Ron's uh, father passed away. That funeral is going to be tomorrow. So pray for Ron and his family. And just get out there this week and wash some dirty feet.